my guide, my teacher, mother nature. Her seasons, her cycles, her moods, her wisdom. With an open heart, observe her. Through trees, embrace her. Feel her in the gentle and in the strong breeze. In the song of the birds, hear her. Plunge into her rivers, into her seas. Taste her. Know her. She is the source of my inner peace. That was Vanessa Melody with her poem, Mother Nature. Vanessa Melody is a singer, songwriter and poet of Afro-Caribbean descent, born and raised in Bristol. In 2018, confined to her bed due to a three-week bout of illness, she produced over 50 poems that were later compiled and published through Balboa Press in a book called Rise to Freedom, Her Story in Rhyme. Mother Nature is about how she spends a lot of time in the natural spaces in the area where she lives in Eastville. Mother Nature takes care of her, guides her, and when she is still enough, she can hear, feel, see and taste the essence of life that sustains her. She believes it is the same for all of us because we are one, we are all connected. This is Kyoto Lab. Ki- Welcome to Kyoto Lab. I'm Aisha Ali. I'm a vocal artist, a theatre maker, an improviser and co-creator of Kyoto. And I'm very lucky to have in her own bedroom, Pravanya Pillay. Hi, Pravanya. Hi. Hi, Aisha. So you've been making comedy and writing things. And what have you been up to? Like my whole life. No, no, I mean like recently, yeah, in lockdown and up oh, okay. now. Recently during lockdown, I've actually, I had a show, I was part of the Bristol Old Vic Ferment programme, so I had a show there where I am trialling out a character called Pravanya Pillay. Um, <laughs> so quite jump there. I felt like I was thinking about Will Smith in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and how he's called Will Smith. And then as a result, Will Smith as a brand became really famous. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so I'll, yeah, I'll keep my name. Because then, like, oh, yeah. Anyway, that was a part. Whereas, like, Rowan Atkinson is Mr. Bean, who's basically, yeah, I thought it through. Um, <laughs> but um, the idea is she's a star who's fallen from grace. She's like an old Hollywood glamour, like that sort of style, like very big personality, sort of like loves to sing and dance. And, and this show that she's making called Bash is her comeback. Ah. So she's, yeah so she's like got a lot invested in it but it's quite sad it's almost like a little bit sad to watch this like fallen from grace star and she's like a lot she's like always making <laughs> say things like women who wear flats deserve to be cheated on and things like that so yeah <laughs> and where do you draw your inspiration for her I guess from from me in some ways like I think it's the <laughs> the worst part of my personality uh, I think a lot of my characters are just different aspects of my personality sort of expanded and made like grotesque in a way. Yeah. I think also definitely my mum who has <laughs> who has actually said the words, there's no point drinking a gin and tonic if it's going to be a single. And like, so whose vibe is, is very off that. I love that character though, that woman who's, he's been playing 
like the damsel she's playing the woman who's like that femme fatale the woman who needs to be rescued and things like that but she's actually like the idea of that woman from that generation is that she's weak and she's feeble and she's like beautiful and that's all she is but reality like all those stars like they must have had to put up with so much garbage and they must be so strong like stronger than so many people and I really like that sort of power in it as well um yeah and I love the idea of a comeback as well like just uh, like, <laughs> I love the idea of making a comeback <laughs> yeah at your ripe old age as well yeah I know that's also fun as well like I do love playing like middle-aged women as well because they're the most fun they're the most fun they're out on head nights they're drinking they're dancing they're having a good yeah. time and how was it like performing at the old Vic in person after? it was really good oh yeah it was really good to perform in person like really good I'm like just not a fan of online performances because I feel like the energy is just flat I um I did one which I really enjoyed but I sort of did it in my bathroom <laughs> um, and like I like I like went around the whole house and tried to include all my family in it as well and they were like not very happy <laughs> but yeah so I, I feel like often the energy can feel quite flat and it's quite hard to you know you're not getting your audience response so yeah there's nothing like doing it live which is which is super fun um, yeah. and it was good though as well because it was cabaret style seating which actually worked really well for the character and the style of the show so oh, was, was it well received I think people liked it. I think people liked it. The feedback was quite good. Yeah, no, it was. I guess it's because it's a weird hybrid mesh of like this old timey character, but like I obviously have put loads of pop references in it as well. So there was like a lot of references to WAP by Cardi B and and things like that. <laughs> so, so it was quite. It's quite a fun show, and I think it can appeal to like lots of different generations. Yeah, uh, sounds great. Yeah. I can't wait to meet the real Pravanya Pillay. <laughs> yeah, I know. She is a nightmare. So. <laughs> So you're going to share a piece with us today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so it's it's um, very much inspired by that character. And I think if I was to develop it further, it would be it would be something that the character did. But the idea was like, I love reading, um, but I don't really, but I'm not like, I wouldn't say I was like really literary. And a lot of the people I know have like done English degrees and they're all like, oh yeah, literary and all this stuff. So I, so I always feel <laughs> a bit on the outskirts. So I love the idea of doing a podcast, like a literary podcast for like the layman um, and like making the host like really pretentious about it. Um, so the idea was sort of um, putting, like putting down some like comedy poetry and like a, nov a, a fake novel that I've written and then doing like maybe a review of everyone's favorite book Catcher in the Rye or something like a really like generic book that everyone like Moby Dick or something like that um <laughs> and like just as a bit of fun and like yeah so I yes I wanted to put that together so that's essentially what it is like a, a podcast in, in that terms oh yeah. brilliant so you're going to share it with us now yeah hello and welcome to learn it with me your host Pravanya Pillay. Learned is a literary treat for the whole family. Even your racist uncle. Today, we'll be looking at some poetry, as well as thrilling you like a lover, with an extract from my new spy novel. We'll also be hosting a riveting discussion on the book The Plague by Albert Camus. So buckle up and buckle down and get ready for Learned. Poem? I hardly know him. You know, there's a difference between literary and literary. 
Novel? Well, it's certainly new to me. If music be the food of love, play on, play on. That is, of course, an example of something that is not a poem. Now, to hear something that is. The following poem is, of course, about body image and what it means to come to terms with how you look and to be happy with what you see. In the mirror, finally I see my perfect body. It is called Topless Photo of Tony Blair in the Reflection of My Mirror. poem but if it was performed by a dog if music be the food of love play on play on that is of course an example of something that is not a spy novel now to hear something that is i spy a spy novel a novel by pravanya pillay and michael mapergo she was the sexiest woman there Water dripped off her soft, buoyant curves. All five of them. She stepped out of the swimming pool. She farted. But no one cared because she was so sexy. All heads turned towards her. All eyes were watching as she shook her thick mane and dabbed herself with a towel. Ha! <laughs> She laughed to herself. For a spy, she suddenly drew a lot of attention. But it was the good kind. Something she often told her supervisors during disciplinary meetings. All publicity is good publicity, she would remark. Not when you're a spy, they would reply. And then she would seduce them. She slipped on over to a deck chair. Hips sashaying in the wind. She stretched out on the chair, one limb at a time. Her skin was bronze like a bronze shield, yet soft like a cushion, some sort of shield-cushion hybrid. A pool attendant approached her. Can I get you anything, miss? He stammered intimidated by how much more attractive she was compared to him. Yes, I'll have a cider. Shaken, not stirred. Um, we usually don't shake the ciders, miss. She lowered her sunglasses suggestively down her nose. But for me, we'll make it happen. I'll have what she's having. A Russian voice boomed from the deck chair next to her. And I'll pay! She saw the wad of cash before she saw the man. And then she saw the man. Her mark. Russian agent Gorbachev. No relation. Thank you for my drink. No worries. It's happy hour anyway. She took in her mark. He was tall. Four of his teeth had been replaced with gold, made from the wedding rings of the men he had killed. He was a dangerous man, 
four was a lot of men to kill. She herself had only killed three. Is there space on that deck chair? She asked seductively. That depends. Who's asking? Me. Then there's plenty of space. Their sexy back and forth was like fire. It's a shame I have to kill him, she thought to herself. She slipped onto his deck chair and sidled up close to him. She felt something hard press against her stomach. She knew before she looked. A gun. She smirked and looked up at him. And here I thought you were just pleased to see me. End of chapter one. We're almost at the end of our show. But before we leave you, I was lucky enough to meet with the head of literature at Oxford University, Professor O.J. Simpson, no relation, to delve into the plague by Albert Camus. Here's what happened when I sat down with him. Professor, it's wonderful to have you here. Please, call me O.J. I would rather not. So, The Plague is, of course, a wonderfully philosophical novel by Albert Camus about how a small town copes when it is ravaged by a deadly plague. Relevant, of course, now more than ever in the build-up to Christmas. So my first question for you, Professor, is The Plague, for or against? For. Interesting, interesting. My next question. Can you summarise the book in one word? Yes. Our third question is from Barry in Coventry. Barry, are you on the line? Oh, uh, Barry here. I am a uh, sales advisor at uh, IBM Computers. Uh, I have a question for the professor. I was wondering, professor, uh, is it too late to uh, set up a Gangnam Style themed restaurant? Yes. Oh, well, um, I've already done it. So, uh, what? Walk on over to Gangnam Food. <laughs> oh, where you can get some ooh, sexy ladies. It's a brothel as well. Thank you, Barry. That is all we have time for. I would like to thank Professor O.J. Simpson, my producer, and the tiny lady that lives in my car and gives me directions. Poem? I hardly know him. You know, there's a difference between literary and literary. Novel? Well, it's certainly new to me. Thanks, Pravanya. That was really great. No worries. Thanks. Glad you liked it. I love the uh, reference to RuPaul. Always love a RuPaul reference. (laughs) What was the RuPaul reference? Poem? I don't even know him. Oh, was that? Was that RuPaul? I don't. I didn't know that. That's RuPaul. <laughs> oh no. That's oh, I feel like I've copyrighted RuPaul. Like I've copied RuPaul, <laughs> and I didn't even realise. I've never actually seen it. Although everyone keeps recommending it to me, but I've never seen. I maybe should watch it. Oh, I really recommend Drag Race. Like it's like not perfect, and there are issues with it, but. Uh, ultimately as a piece of entertainment it's amazing and there's some really great moments and there's some amazing artistry in it really I would go straight to season 12 it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe I'll give it a go how do you come up with your characters I guess often it's based around and I almost I think sometimes I write the jokes and then I'm like who could say this I think you've seen me do another character called called Barry 
I remember like, Barry, yeah. Name's Barry, you know, just uh, doing a stand-up thing for a bit of a laugh. Like, that's he's that sort of guy. And he's like, <laughs> wife just recently left him. And where Barry originated from was like, I wrote a load of ex-wife jokes. Um, <laughs> and and I was like, oh, these are so funny. Like, but obviously, I mean, like, like they're ironically funny. So if I delivered them, it's just me, which actually would be quite funny. But um, And then I was like, which, who could say this? Like, who would be able to say these jokes? And it was... Um, and like that's where Barry was sort of born from and then <laughs> I think I've always loved like backstories and I love character work as well because I started by doing improv and I think the best improv is like really character based and like the best improvisers really focus on who their characters are and what their motives are and and all of that so I've always loved coming up with characters and doing things like that so that was super fun and then I think also sometimes it, I'm not like that talented an actor or in any way like that so like I said all my characters are sort of just a sort of aspect of my personality like really exaggerated and put into yeah put into this character form Barry was like me when I'm getting a bit rowdy and like I want to like you know I want to you know I like when I'm at a football game which I've only ever been to one but boy was it great we lost <laughs> I think I can't remember but I love the atmosphere yeah and then like the bash character is me when I'm being like super showy and like really performative and things like that so that yeah and it's just them sort of exaggerated character wise I'll have like an idea and then it'll just be working it into something and like expanding it and seeing how it can how it can develop and things like that. I think writing is is probably my mo- my favorite part of the whole thing. Like I love performing and and everything like that, but the writing is like because I think it's like a really um it's like a really personal thing as well. Like you can sit there and you can write and it's sort of get really lost in it, which is really great. Hmm. Uh, and you can be creative as you want. Like you can be such like massive blue sky thinking when you're writing, which <laughs> there's like no limitations on it. And then when you have to like think about performing it, that's when it's like okay, well. You know, I can't have a massive waterbed on stage. You know, I can't do an ice, <laughs> I can't do an ice bucket challenge. Like it's October. Too cold. It'll be indoors. And then you have to scale it down a bit. But yeah. But do you imagine your audience when you're writing, or is it just like where your curiosity takes you? I don't think I think about the audience when I'm writing. I think I think like my big thing with the audience and the relationship with the audience is that if you're having fun and you're relaxed, then they'll have fun and be relaxed. Yeah. Um, Unless like they really hate what you're doing, but generally <laughs> like, but generally like you can't, you're not gonna appeal to any everyone. No, like I once did a gig not. in Cheltenham, and they absolutely hated me. Like there was just it was just silence, and at the end of the other one of the other comedians was like, "Well, that was brave," and I was like, oh, "Excuse me," but <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, yeah, so like, but they absolutely hated me, and they were never gonna like me. Like no matter what I did, they or I mean I could have done like more straight material. But I think I was up there on the stage and I was like, oh, like, they just probably aren't going to like me. Like, I don't look like what a comedian should look like. My style isn't really what they're interested in. Yeah. So I just doubled down on doing the most, like, random, ridiculous bit I have, which is that I where I sing Don't Go Breaking My Heart, but I only sing the Elton John bit. So, like, I play the karaoke, so it's like, don't go breaking my heart. (laughs) Oh, honey, if I get restless. And, like, I did the whole... (laughs) it was a five minute song and I did it all and that was my set basically um and obviously they hated it but actually it was such a great gig for me because I was just up there sort of doing it for myself and having a lot of fun and it didn't matter that they didn't like it yeah well I mean I've heard the comedy circuit's pretty brutal anyway but it must be even harder if you're 
a a woman and be a woman of color yeah i think it is i think bristol's comedy circuit is quite nice like i've heard things about london's comedy circuit and i'm like mm, nope not going there um, <laughs> i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of the comedy circuit i feel like it is like there's some really great stand-ups on it like doing some amazing things but i think the stuff that i like doing is like i guess you describe it as like alternative comedy um <laughs> and there's, there's less of a space for that just because of of I guess like what audiences are expecting when they go in and and things like that and also like the restrictions on time like you've got five minutes so you've got like seven minutes specifically and you know you like you can't really do tech and you can't really do all of that stuff so so I like doing the occasional gig because it keeps you humble (laughs) and also like you want that you want that audience feedback as well but I wouldn't say like I did like lots on the comedy circuit. I think also like being, I was about to say there are quite a few women, but I just meant there was like more women than when I first started. Yeah. <laughs> but that's still not a lot. The bar's um, pretty low on that. <laughs> yeah. And there's like barely any, there, I, hmm. yeah, there are like no women of color stand-ups that I can think. Oh no, there is one. Her name's Priya Hall and she's really great. I can't really think of any other, but she's like Southwest based women of color, but I don't really know everyone. You are like often the only person of color on the bill or you're the only woman on the bill, or in my case, sometimes you're the only one of both. And that can be, I don't know, you just sort of feel like, yeah, it just feels a bit rubbish. Yeah. But that's always, like, you always feel a bit rubbish when you're the only one in that space. And, like, the nights I've liked best have been, like, doing Kyoto and doing, like, other other nights like that where there's loads of representation and there's lots of people around who look like you and, and things yeah. like that diversity of ideas and thoughts and I think also like you can tend to watch stand-up and it feels like it's the same guy doing it again and again but with like slightly different beards um, <laughs> Fun. Yeah, yeah and a slightly different colored plaid shirt um, so yeah so and like I think nights that have like loads of variety on it and loads of different stories coming through are like more exciting to watch as well yeah and that was part of your inspiration for setting up stomping ground as well wasn't it yeah, definitely. I was in the Improv Society at the University of Bristol, which, as you can imagine, was incredibly white. <laughs> improv I can, and the I can University imagine. of Bristol. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's not going to be uh, a multiracial there. First of all, you sort of don't notice, and then you're like, oh, my God. And then suddenly one day you wake up and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone is white. There is not one other person of colour, although there were a few. Um, and so then from there, I sort of wanted to set up a BME show with the university like with the society so I did that it went quite well and then it was thinking about like I started working at Babasa which is like an organization that supports young people from like underrepresented backgrounds into their dream jobs and like working with a lot of young people there and talking to them about like theater and and things like that and they were all like oh yeah I'd love to try it I'd love to try it but like I don't know where and that was like really common like loads of people being like oh yeah I've always wanted to do it but I've never really had the opportunity to and it felt like there was a real need for to set up something where like they could do workshops they could do some learning and things like that and then they could perform and that's where stomping ground came from it sort of filled that sort of hole was there and it was um yeah and it was just a lot of fun and the stomping ground shows that I put on have just been we do improv because I feel like that's a re improv is a really really great art form to get into performing because people think it's really difficult but actually it is the art form that allows you to be most yourself and like I said you know like you, when you create a character you can create one sort of based on what you know rather than going in learning a script because learning a script can be really stressful if you've never done it before uh, and allows you to be really creative and really imaginative and like it's I think it allows you to really tell your story as well so we teach improv at the workshops the theatre gym workshops and then there's a show at the end of the year where it's like a more intensive training to, to do this show. 
uh, so the workshops are sort of focused on fun and just coming along, being creative, having a blast. And then the, yeah, and then the show is more intensive theatre work and like with a bit more feedback and like sort of developing those skills. And like the shows that Stomping Ground has put on, and I've seen a lot of improv shows, like loads and loads and loads, but the shows that Stomping Ground have done have been, are like very, very different. Like they were just like totally, just two things that I've never seen before ever because the stories were so different. And it was just really, really great to see that variety. Yeah. Um, and the different and, cultural references. and Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah. And like just the vibe was so different as well. Like it was just, I don't know, like, I guess people kind of like know how to have a party and stuff. So it was, <laughs> it was like, you know, it was like, just had that like really good vibe. Yeah. Which is great. Well, that's how you and I met, isn't it? And yeah, 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 through Stomping Ground, yeah. That so, show was, it was really fun. It was a real fun show. And I guess the thing with Stomping Ground as well, and as it develops, it's like, it's about getting young people of colour watching the show as well. So coming to the workshop, watching the shows, and just watching shows in general, like going to the theatre, making these art spaces their own. So there's like a takeover part of Stomping Ground, which is all about like going into all these different spaces, museums, theatres, places like the watershed things like that and like really owning that space and feeling like it's theirs and feeling like they can come and use it whenever they want yeah um so that's a part of it so it's like a bit of a takeover of the city and all our arts and cultural spaces yeah well you know that's what uh Kyoto are trying to do to decolonize art spaces yeah exactly starting yeah. with theaters yeah, yeah. you're that doing sounds... the same thing but with young people specifically yeah yeah <laughs> basically yeah it's sad that we we I mean that was the plan in the show to have stomping ground on and yeah um, and they were really looking forward to it as well um and then literally <laughs> I think it was that week that we went yeah. into <laughs> yeah it was days it was days yeah it was like yeah it was so close to the show yeah well once we're allowed to we will yeah. definitely have you back on yeah that would be brilliant that'd be really great so do you want to say something about artists or comedians or writers that have inspired you yeah of course I really hate this list because it's so white and male <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always so embarrassed being like yeah we need diversity of the arts and everyone's like who's your hero and I list off like 10 white guys <laughs> um, but um yeah I guess like to be honest the reason I've always loved comedy like I've always loved comedy and I've particularly like, like always loved sitcoms like I've never been a huge stand-up fan like I've never been like oh stand-up stand up I've always loved like watching shows I think it, that comes with the whole character thing like I love how characters are written and how they're performed and like I said like characters is my is my favorite part of, of, of doing comedy and things like that yeah so I guess like my big inspirations have been tv shows like Dirty Raw, The Simpsons as well. Like I absolutely loved The Simpsons. Like I was obsessed with Simpsons. Shows like that really. And then when I realized I wanted to do comedy, I was doing medicine at the time and I was like became obsessed with The Daily Show. So I was watching like loads and loads of episodes of The Daily Show and The Colbert Report from way back as well so I knew like loads about the Iraq war and the Bush <laughs> <laughs> and, like, every time I had a study break I would just watch it and then at one point I watched this clip and it was so stupid it was so silly it was like the concept was like a prank show but instead of pranking you they baptized you and it was called like <laughs> baptized and it was like so it was like it wasn't very long it was like two minutes maybe a bit less and it, like I can't even explain to you how silly it was it was just really <laughs> But I watched it and after I watched it, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to do this. Like, this is, this is what I, this, I need to do this. And then I like, was... realized I didn't want to do medicine anymore. Um, <laughs> that was and, the moment. That was the yeah, moment. Yeah, that was literally the moment where I was like, this is what I need to do. Like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And so from there, like, I sort of, that's where I got into improv. Cause like a lot of the people that I liked 
started in improv and, and things like that yeah I guess performance wise like I'm just always looking out for like people who do sort of alternative funny stuff people like Demi Lardner Tom Watson Kat Cohen things like that I love Mindy Kaling like I absolutely loved her like Lolly Adafope anyone sort of like pushing boundaries a bit also with Mindy Kaling her new show Never Have I Ever is one of the best things that I've ever seen yes really great yeah as like an awkward Indian girl (laughs) <laughs> I wish it, I wish it had been on while I was in school like I wish more than anything it had been on while I was in school that, because I think that would have it would have made things a lot easier <laughs> like that is exactly what I said when I watched it, it was like where was this when I was growing up <laughs> no I know exactly like an Indian girl who was like demure and quiet and, and awkward but it's like really fun and, it was really yeah. weird that it was narrated by John McEnroe oh my god that was my favorite part of it, it what was, was so that funny. about it was like I love John McEnroe as well I think he's brilliant so like I was like empowered Indian girl narrating her own story and then there's John McEnroe it's like why I loved it I I thought it was hilarious I think I like when I was watching it I was like I love this show and then I heard John McEnroe's voice and I was like this is the best show I've ever seen in my life because that is the question it's like why is he narrating this yeah Um, and she has this like really vague answer for that and you're like what that's the reason come on (laughs) I love it I love it um what about Lily Lily Singh do you know Lily Singh I don't really know Lily Singh like her famous sketches she does one called the brown bar people turn up at the brown bar like it's like a tech support desk like you come in with your IT problems one of them's like like a guy comes in a white guy comes in and he says um so my girlfriend's mad at me and I don't know why and he's like oh nine times out of ten it's not like your Indian girlfriend is defective you've probably said something wrong can you tell me what you said and he says well I just told her to teach me Indian and he was like well, <laughs> well there's your problem right there what uh. well where do you come from Canada do you speak Canadian <laughs> oh I see should I have asked her to teach me Hindu <laughs> that's great the whole brown bar sketch I just love it so much she does push boundaries like you were saying yeah I'll check it out my comedy I guess I want to keep developing this character because she's loads of fun and there's just loads I can do with it and I'd love to have like a monthly show like a monthly talk show where she does it and she like has guests on and other performers and it's like just loads of fun and really silly and yeah, so that's sort of what, yes, that's what, what I'd like to build up to, um, having that monthly show. Um, but also, I'm just keeping it really flexible. And yeah, because I guess I had, at this start of 2020, I made a vision board and I had put it on my wall and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And then COVID happened. So I just like literally took the vision board down, looked at it and then like crushed it up and put it in the bin. I was like, I was like, I can't, I can't do any of this stuff anymore. That's so um, sad. It wasn't disheartening. It was. It was. It wasn't though. Um, I get like it, it was. It was quite funny. Um, but it was. Um, Did you do it in a dramatic sort of, it way? Yeah, obviously. I was like, <laughs> "This is over," and I like ripped it up. My dad was like, "Okay, <laughs> calm down." Um, but I guess because like a lot of things, um, it gave me that time to think, and I realized that a lot of things on that vision board I didn't really want to do. I just felt like that was the direction I was going in, and I was moving full speed ahead towards it. And because of COVID, I had to stop. And then I had to think about everything I was doing. And I had to be like, okay, no, but this is what you actually want to do. Like, this is what you really enjoy. Like, turning Stomping Ground into a business was, like, my goal. I was like, it's got to be a business. It's got to be a business. And then I realized that, actually, like, I don't want to run a business. I want to run workshops. I want to work with young people. I want to do, like, directing and art stuff. Like, 
so keeping it how it is 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 much better than turning it into a business mm. um yeah and things like that so it's a really yeah, really really important thing to figure out <laughs> yeah definitely because otherwise I would have and I was really going full speed ahead with making it into a business as well like I yeah so that was actually really good and also figuring out what sort of performing I wanted to do like I yeah and like that I wanted to do my own show and things like that so that was yeah so it was it was good in, in that respect and then bad and that it was a global thing. yeah it's I mean I think that the pandemic has kind of forced people to slow down and reevaluate, and that is one mm. thing that has been really valuable even though it's been painful mm. for a lot of people um maybe yeah, not, maybe maybe not for some but I think that in some ways it has been very valuable time mm-hmm. yeah I think so but I think it just it's just shown that we just need a rest as a whole yeah like everyone just needs just like we're moving too fast as a as a oh society. yeah like well, that's that's what capitalism wants it wants us to keep yeah going, yeah keep going, keep going. yeah exactly it wasn't that we needed a pandemic it was that we just needed like a little break like that was, <laughs> that was it like, and that's what it gave all us needed a holiday like, that's <laughs> a lie down and a little think yeah exactly <laughs> it's a shame it had to come to the form of a global pandemic but there we go. yeah no I could have done without that to be honest <laughs> Pravanya thank you so much for joining us today no worries no worries thanks for having me it was very welcome it was fun it's lovely to talk about yourself (laughs) it's so lovely to talk about yourself (laughs) thanks to Vanessa Melody Pravanya Pile and to you for listening next time we will have poetry from the wonderful Hanan Issa an Iraqi Welsh poet and Shagifta will be chatting to storyteller poet dancer and general badass Birdspeed so until then bye for now